This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, May 30th, 2021. And today on the program, the open door is off of its hinges as WWE President Nick Khan is reportedly in negotiations with New Japan Pro Wrestling for an exclusive working relationship. Meanwhile, in Jacksonville, the other Khan, Tony Khan, scrambling to cut a promo wearing sunglasses in response. Then in Stanford, Connecticut, dozens of WWE employees were laid off, including several executives. We'll have the details on that. And live events are coming back. Tickets are on sale for both WWE and AEW events. WWE has rolled out its entire schedule through Labor Day. And John Cena finds himself at the center of geopolitical controversy. And he is very, 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 very sorry for referring to Taiwan as a country. All that and more, but first... And now, joining me to discuss the week that was in professional wrestling business. It was a very busy week, and we have a very loaded show here this week on WrestleNomics Radio. Chris Golo, fresh from completing his eating of Adamami, he is now on the line. We won't talk about this at all. This is not in the run sheet at all. <laughs> but I've just discovered, about an hour before recording time here, that WWE has a new product well, this will be in the consumer products section of today's program. You can now get limited edition Ultimate Warrior wine. <laughs> limited edition. They, these have Ultimate Warrior colors, Ultimate Warrior uh, logo, and they have Ultimate Warrior sayings on them. <laughs> Why do they do Ultimate these Warrior things? Week. Why do they do these things right before June? <laughs> remember, remember the the interesting uh, Ultimate Warrior uh, photo shoot with Dana Warrior for Pride a few years ago. Oh, did, forgot about that. <laughs> yes, I hear there. there there is also all Undertaker. Uh, yes, limited edition wine. There is that. Yeah, I felt like there was one other person. Maybe it was Warrior that they already had out, so it might not be new. Uh but I, I, think I have finally discovered Dana Warrior's contribution to the WWE creative team. Oh, <laughs> uh, it has been a crazy Warrior week, especially Jake the Snake just making up something that never happened. I was gonna, I was gonna wrestle him on top of the title. No, you weren't. It was it never lined up. <laughs> I almost punched him at the Hall of Fame. He said, "On dark side of the ring." Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> But if you look at, if you go back in that timeline, they were both baby faces. And at the time, Warriors like feuding with, with Slaughter, uh, Jake Snake, I believe, is doing this thing with Rick Martel. So, like, there never would have been a time. Well, they did feud in 91. They feuded in the summer of 91. After he lost the belt. Yes. <laughs> yes. What was, how <laughs> was Jake getting the belt? I don't get it. Yes. But anyway. Anyways. 
but a WWE and New Japan pro wrestling relationship from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter on Thursday. Nick Khan has been in talks with New Japan Pro Wrestling about WWE being the exclusive American partner with the promotion. Right now, New Japan has been working with AEW and Impact and has had a relationship with CMLL and ROH, but things have slowed down with those companies since COVID. It would include sending WWE talent and WWE top top WWE sending talent, I'm sorry, and WWE top stars being allowed to work in New Japan if talks go anywhere. Um, so yeah, when I heard these, this news, this was a shock and the internet took the ball and ran with it with just Photoshopping all these pictures of like Tanahashi and Okada being beat by Roman Reigns, which I found very humorous. Stacking off of each other, like the WrestleMania. This Mm -hmm. seems, I never would have guessed this. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I consider it all, all this drama just from a, a Ron sentence by Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer. I gave you a, an edited version. Uh, Mike Johnson from the PW Insider also followed up on this. Um, I don't have his report in front of me, but he sort of downplayed the news more so than Dave did. Um, it, it sounds like maybe this has something to do with wooing Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, uh, to resign with WWE. Uh, Daniel Bryan always talks about how he wants to have these matches with people outside of WWE, including New Japan. So maybe this is some way to, if this is true and accurate, which I tend to think it is, there's truth to this. I tend to believe uh, this is some way to appease him. Um, so I would consider some other things here though, um, be- before we get to the, the, the Tony Khan response. Uh, so consider the timing of this. Let's uh, imagine that this is a piece of information that was uh, dropped from the WWE side to Dave. Uh, consider the timing of dropping this on a, th- well, he would report it on a Thursday. Uh, Friday morning is when we would start to read about it on the week of AEW's Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Just from a public relations media stra- strategy standpoint, you've sort of absorbed some of the conversation, some of the energy directed towards AEW on one of its biggest shows of the year toward talking about New Japan and, and, and WWE instead of uh, AEW, although AEW has a lot to do with this, I think. Um, so this is this would be, I think, a working relationship that no one really wants to see, that no one was clamoring for. But it would, from a, from a strategy standpoint, from WWE's perspective, it would at least block AEW from doing something valuable. I think a relationship with uh, between AEW and New Japan is one of the most valuable cards from a talent standpoint, from a fan attraction standpoint that AEW has to play. A lot of the energy that New Japan has lost since 2019 with the Western market, including in the United States, has been a result of New Japan losing Kenny Omega and to a lesser extent, the Young Bucks. Those two are now with AEW. AEW was able to absorb a lot of that that fan energy. So getting Kenny Omega back in the ring to rekindle some of these feuds with people uh, in, in New Japan, including Okada, Naito, Tanahashi, whoever. Ibushi, obviously, is another, another big one. Um, that's a big play for AEW to, to, to get a hold of uh, if they can put a, a big, let's say, Omega versus Ibushi match. On, on an AEW pay-per-view. That could be huge if it's, if it's built and executed uh, correctly. And it's important here to, to note that the Observer mentions WWE pursuing an exclusive relationship, at least among U.S. partners, with New Japan. So that would exclude, presumably, 
AEW from having an even – who remembers this relationship that Ring of Honor used to have with with New Japan? Is, is that, that seems to be maybe disintegrating, right? But anyway, um, so this would keep talent – when you, when you think about whether or not you're going to leave uh, WWE like John Moxley did and think about where else you're going to go, one of the things that you, you would more strongly consider AEW for perhaps is because, oh, I can also – I can go work for – AEW and they'll let me work New Japan. Like they have let Moxley work New Japan. They have let Jericho work New Japan. So if you take that away from them, then you've got one less piece that's going to attract talent who may be feeling not creatively satisfied. You've got one less piece that's going to draw people away from your company. Um, we've got uh, Drew McIntyre this week uh, sending out cryptic tweets uh, with uh, various words that uh, are, are basically an acronym for Okada. Um, he also so, had another one yeah. where he's like, oh, interesting follow from the T-Mobile Center because his latest two Twitter follows were right. Okada and the T-Mobile Center. Yes. Yeah. So I think this is what, what's the result for, for WWE in this? Maybe you get a few really cool matches out of it. Uh, but but at the end of the day, you're, you've got Vince McMahon in control of the main roster creative. So I don't think this is going to be a, a very good thing if this happens and comes to fruition. It's not going to be like this great thing for fans or for WWE. And maybe there'll be some benefit for New Japan. New Japan's probably feeling some financial pressure right now from uh, the state of emergency that's been declared in Japan and the, uh, New Japan having to postpone events. New Japan relies uh, on live events and ticket sales for the majority of their revenue, unlike these U.S. companies that uh, have enormous media rights and media, media revenues, let's call them. Um, so I see this from from W standpoint being along the lines of other things that they've done in recent years with, with their strategy, including uh, warehousing 300 wrestlers, many of whom they don't have anything to do with uh, on, on, in their content. Uh, moving NXT off of the W network into the USA network for it's not really clear what the financial benefit is. It's not really clear if it made uh, WWE more profitable than it would have been otherwise. The the value of NXT's TV rights are not clear and in my assessment, not huge, well under $50 million, probably closer to $20 million per year. The new deal that they just executed, just signed, that will go into effect this fall does not appear to be any significant upstep. So, those two things, signing an enormous amount of talent to compete and keep that talent away from other competitors, including AEW, putting NXT on the USA network to go head to head with AEW as they did. And now they moved it off, of course. So it's more about defense, I think, for WWE than it is about offense. And uh, purely capitalistically speaking, I think that's a smart move if this is really happening uh, by WWE. And, you know, if, if I'm if I'm Nick Khan and if I really understand the wrestling landscape the way that I, th- I think one should understand the wrestling landscape, I think to myself, well, the biggest problem for uh, for fan retention and for talent retention is Vince's creative. And I can't get the pencil out of Vince's hand. And so, you know, and Vince isn't going to change. Vince is so out of touch now that his son-in-law is showing signs of being out of touch. So I can't improve the content internally. And the external threat to the W brand is everyone else's superior content. So, but maybe, maybe I can create a relationship that will mitigate the superior content or get some of that superior content under my control. Uh, that is, take New Japan's, take the access to New Japan away from AEW and put it into your own hands. Whether whether it bears fruit for yourself or not, it's it's a net win for you. For the New Japan side of things, right? I think this has to be just completely 
financially driven if, you know, if a partnership happens, because one of the things we've seen with New Japan Pro Wrestling more than any other international company is, is when they send talent to an American company and it gets mishandled, they don't take that lightly. They get very upset. We saw it in WCW with Bill Watts. We saw it in TNA with the way they handled Okada and others. They can't be really thinking that if they send talent on excursion, they're going to be booked great over there. I'm just being honest. Like, I think what, what what Meltzer thinks is that this would be primarily an NXT interaction. Okay, which sounds safer. Yes, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, just ask Kenta though. Yeah. <laughs> ask who? Kenta. Kenta. Yes. Yeah. Right. I think he, he tweeted Kenta versus Hideo Itami. <laughs> um, but I think if, for New Japan, we we talked last week about how talent is unhappy with these with the events being postponed, sending everybody home saying, wait, no, events are back on, get back here. Uh, well, a lot of talent turmoil reportedly, especially these reports by uh, Joe Lanz of the voice of wrestling talking about how unhappy talent is. Will Ospreay maybe hurt, maybe not. Will Ospreay uh, maybe, maybe leaving, even maybe leaving new Japan, maybe a lot of talent uh, thinking about leaving when their contracts are up in January. If that's, if that's still when, when contracts expire. But I think I think it's important to, on a really wide scale, to think about. I think New Japan's great era is over. Um, all all the great eras for pro wrestling companies they eventually come to an end. Uh, I I think it's. I even had some inklings of thinking that you know, well, this wrestling is just going to continue to get better and better and better on an indefinite scale. But these promotions, at least on, on a per promotion case, they do eventually go through these cycles. And I think there's just in in my view. There's, you can look at it by decade and say, well, I think the NWA had a glory period in the eighties, all Japan in the nineties had a glory period and that came to an end and maybe ring of honor had a glory period in the two thousands, the first decade of the century. And now new Japan clearly had a, a glory era in the tens. And I think in 2019, the end of 2019, that, that came to an end. Um, I don't know what the, the great promotion of the twenties will be, but I think new Japan's glory period for now is over. And they are there. They appear to be on the cusp of a real need need for talent. And they're at least on a short term basis, really hurting uh, to keep their events going and probably to keep their cash flows going. I, uh, you know, I could just completely think it's a financial move. Um, interesting thing. You bring up the talent that, you know, we talked about their upset. This could also be in a move to, that they think is a move to appease them, for example. Hey, Will Ospreay, you can go work in NXT UK when you're not here at home, you know, against like some of your favorite talent because the relationship with Rev Pro might be good, but obviously be way more beneficial to work with WWE than it would be Rev Pro, I would think financially. So NXT UK. Yeah. Yeah. So NXT UK is is, is the spiritual successor to the UK Indies, isn't it, though? (laughs) Yeah. Rev Pro is the only one really still kicking, so. Um, but, uh, all right. Uh, we're, uh, so we have a little bit of audio of a response from this, uh, from Tony Khan. Yeah. So this news came out on Friday. The, the, the observer gets published like in the middle of the night. You, you read the observer in the morning. That's usually what I do. And then Tony Khan ahead of, um, this, this is, this is put on social media on Twitter, at least in the eight o'clock hour Eastern while SmackDown is on, on the air with, Dynamite coming up uh, live at 10 on TNT. 
And so I was in the middle of, what was I doing? I was watching something on, on, on TV that was not wrestling. And I was idly looking through my phone and, and everything had to be paused. And I said, what is this? Fans, as we set to go live on TNT tonight with AEW Dynamite at 10 o'clock Eastern time, I introduce to you the CEO, the owner, the president of All Elite Wrestling and the Forbidden Door, Mr. Tony Khan. Thank you very much, Tony. I appreciate it, Mr. Shivani. And as we get ready to go live tonight on Dynamite on TNT, I just wanted to address as the Forbidden Door, I read in the Observer today that New Japan Pro Wrestling apparently has had talks with WWE's president, Nick Khan. Well, Nick, I have to say, if you've been talking to New Japan Pro Wrestling for two months, you've gotten a lot done. But just in the last two weeks, I've had Yuji Nagata, Ren Narita, and Rocky Romero on AEW. I've reunited Rapungi Vice. I've had the New Japan IWGP U.S. champion, John Moxley, defend the title successfully on our show, retaining it. And I have future plans with New Japan Pro Wrestling for the U.S. title. So you must have really gotten a lot done in the two months, Nick. In fact, I think there's only room for one con in the wrestling business, Nick. And it's me. It's Tony Khan. It's not some con man from Connecticut. Have a fun show tonight, Nick. See you on Dynamite. There you have it. He was shooting <laughs> just a little bit there. Yes. So people make allusions to this. Sounds like the uh, Mr. McMahon character that was originally rolled out in uh, in Memphis. Well, I know that's what people compared his appearances on Impact to is is the McMemphis angle. Uh, when I saw it, I, I was just kind of surprised. He was just, you know, went directly at Nick Khan. Not just like some subtle promo, but like, hey, we hear rumblings in New Japan Pro Wrestling is working with our company. Well, fans, I just want to let you know that AEW, you're going to see in the future great ja- New J- New Japan Pro Wrestling talent here and whatnot. Like, but no, he went right for it. <laughs> yeah, if if I was if this is really happening to the extent that it's being reported on on WWE's side, if they're really that interested, genuinely in having a relationship with New Japan, I think Tony Khan just made pretty clear to them that. So in, in my view, the biggest benefit to WWE to have a relationship with New Japan is to take that relationship away from AEW. Here's Tony Khan tipping his hand with this promo that I think is profoundly foolish and indulgent. Now, I'll say this. It did make me want to watch Dynamite more and just to sort of be in touch with what AEW is doing. And I did watch, I think, most of Dynamite. Then you drop that during... SmackDown, when a lot of people are on Twitter and thinking about wrestling and paying attention to wrestling. So there's probably some people who watch Dynamite and more of it than would have otherwise. But it, again, if, if I'm WB uh, and if I feel threatened by AEW, which to some extent I should, and if I think an exclusive New Japan relationship hurts AEW, which it would, then this promo reassured me of that notion and I double down on pursuing that deal. Personally, I want the wrestling industry to be more competitive. I want the content in all companies, especially the highest profile companies to get better. And this promo tips his hand. He encouraged WWE in my view that, you know, and if WWE is as smart as they supposedly are to swallow up more good wrestling into their inauthentic universe, which means a greater consolidation of power for WWE in the wrestling space and a weaker wrestling industry than there would be otherwise. And 
Secondarily, it's another step down the path that we've seen so many other executives take that it seemed like, you know, a, a year or two ago when AEW was, you know, in its, in its first days as a company, you, you sort of pay attention to things that Tony Khan says and his background and sort of his demeanor. And you think, okay, I think we're safe with this guy. This guy is not going to turn into uh, an Eric Bischoff, a Vince Russo, a Jeff Jarrett, a Dixie Carter, a Vince McMahon in terms of putting themselves out there as, a, as an on-screen character too much. Now, look, I know a lot of people are, they think this is the greatest thing. They're really positive on this. You got Tony Schiavone for one, who's the guy, of course, standing next to him as the announcer interviewing him, saying that if you don't, if you don't think Tony Khan knows how to cut a promo, you don't know what you're talking about, something to that effect. So not even thinking about whether or not this is a good promo or not. I think this is a bad strategy move by Tony Khan. In all likelihood, New Japan and WWE are probably talking, it's probably the actual offices talking to each other. And I, I have it from multiple people on both sides that New Japan and AEW, it's mostly just Rocky Romero, who's sort of the USA office talking to AEW as opposed to the real Japanese office. Uh, poking the bear. Um, you know what? It's, you know, this relationship, though, now I start to think about if you remember when Brody Lee left WWE, he was doing a lot of interviews and he mentioned the story how Triple H goes, well, do you want to go work New Japan? We we can. We, <laughs> <laughs> and I think maybe that's what this is now. Maybe they're like, let's try to seal that deal. So if an upset talent wants to leave, we can actually send them. You want to work New Japan? We'll call them up. <laughs> like, right. That, that sounds to me like something that Paul Levesque just said to try to keep Brody that you know, let's let's convince him to stay and then uh, you know, change your mind afterward or just not follow up on that. Hope he forgets. You know? <laughs> but yeah. All right. So uh, moving uh, on to a uh, little bit of a viewership update and the demise of Showbuzz Daily. Um, it's a sign that uh, the serious issues that continue to keep showbuzzdaily.com down that we can't. This, even- is, a, this is a tweet from that. Yeah. yeah, this is a tweet from them. Yep, that we can't even post this update on the site itself. Despite our efforts over the past week, we continue to be unable to add content onto the site. As many of you are aware, we've been operating the site for years without revenue, and honestly, the cost and time that it would be required to bring the site back has led us to consider what the future of Showbuzz Daily can be. In response to the tweets and the emails we expect to receive, you can't count on us to post ratings via social media, and as much as we appreciate the offers to provide technical assistance, we're going to have to decline. We're also not in a position to make arrangements regarding our databases or other content. We promise that we're going to try and figure out a way back, and we'll let you know And there's an update. So very, very similar to what they were kind of putting out last week. Uh, but yeah, the, this looks to be it for Showbuzz Daily. Yeah. Showbuzz Daily, if you don't know, is, is a website that's been posting uh, ratings for the top 150 cable programs, cable originals, not reruns, cable originals and uh, primetime uh, broadcast programming every day since um, at least uh, April 2015. And even before that, they were doing a 100. Um, and I think now they haven't been updated since May 11th. So this sounds to me like this is never coming back. Uh, they say they want to try to come back. And I think... Maybe if they can regain their their rating source, maybe they will. But they have in 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 their their messages that they have technical issues. Um, so we will have not as much granularity, not as much uh, uh, different demographics to look at. Um, Pro Wrestling Torch Wade Keller has done a great job though, uh, following up and, and 
getting the ratings out there. He's been reporting the uh, the SmackDown and the Raw ratings for this past week that we have NXT as well. So uh, we don't have an, an AEW rating just because AEW, as we record this, was Friday night. And I think we're even sort of compromised by the, uh, the Memorial Day holiday here that would delay Nielsen uh, to begin with. So so the Torch is is reporting ratings. Uh, Observer had some other numbers for, I think, the, the any biographies uh, that we will that we have here on the table. So before I get the numbers, I just want to let the listeners know out there that, you know, all these ratings data, it's going to be scattered all over the Internet and all these different websites are going to report this, this, that and that. There's only one place where they're all compiled into one and a spreadsheet that just goes over a long, long period of time of how the ratings have progressed. And that is the WrestleNomics viewer spreadsheet, which you can only get at Patreon. And it's only $5 a month. That's right. The only place where all this data is compiled into one outlet. Yes. And uh, we, will, yeah, um, we, will, we will give you a little taste of that, <laughs> that data. Um, we can give you uh, numbers for the May 21st SmackDown. Uh, though uh, the one that aired last week, and that we got a 0.50 in the 18 to 49 with an overall of one point, a uh, little over 1.9 uh, million. So very similar to the week before, but a little bit of an uh, uptick in the 18 to 49 key demo on SmackDown. Still number one with all wrestling programming, but definitely uh, looks like it's going to live under 2 million for probably the summer. For, for the Raw, 0.45 for the 18 to 49, uh, a little over 1.6 uh, million. Uh, so a decrease, uh, pretty decent decrease from, uh, you know, uh, from the beginning of, uh, I believe the beginning of May here. I think you have May 3rd listed on the little sheet here. So, uh, the beginning, uh, the beginning of May. So they've steadily going down as the month goes. Uh, Ms. and Mrs., we don't have one from last week, but we do have. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're you you know what I mean? Like you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, ah, oh, hey, look at some random cards, or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards. It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, 
and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all three-in-one offering you triple security so you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door but it's not just for security the eufy video lock is also for convenience no more concerns about losing keys and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras Some other great features we love about the eufy video lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a phillips screwdriver no drilling required keyless entry no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full you never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters you also have 0.3 second 0.3 second fingerprint recognition and one second unlocking again 0.3 seconds it's going to recognize your fingerprints and in one second it's going to unlock and with the ai self-learning chip embedded the more you use it the more accurate it will be also no battery anxiety you have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking a remote control with the 2K Clear Sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy video lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys and reach in my pocket or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the UV video lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second. Door is unlocked. Much, much easier. So if you want to jump on board with Eufy Video Lock, search Eufy Video Lock. That is E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Again, that's Eufy Video Lock, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. A uh, May 17th rating of 683,000. 
very close to NXT with a point two two and eighteen yeah, to forty nine. I think this is last as a misses for the for the season, or at least for now. So the, I don't think there was one that we missed now for for this past week. Those type of shows tend to end around this time. Uh, May is usually the end of a is usually season finale uh, month. And then, uh, so yeah, NXT, you were talking about NXT, uh, 698,000 overall with a point thirteen in the 18 to 49 demo. So that was both down from May 18th and Miz and Mrs. from the week before beat it in the 18 to 49 demo and almost overall audience. Again, you can say, well, we're, we're going up against the NBA playoffs, uh, but you're not going up against AEW. And this is, this is a number along the lines of what NXT was doing against AEW when they were head to head on Wednesday. There was a big carrying cross versus Finn Balor NXT title match in the main event. And this is the rating that it did uh, slightly down from the prior week uh, and, and down two points in the, in the demo rating from the prior week. So I, I just think it's an indictment of the content. I don't think NBA playoffs are a sufficient excuse here. I, I think there's not that much interesting to unpack other than, yeah, Raw is approaching its all-time lows here, which isn't as big of a deal as it sounds on its face. But this is kind of what we expect from May. I expect things to be down from the year prior, from the month prior, because WrestleMania season is over, the NBA playoffs are in the way, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. Have a drink. We'll see what happens in the <laughs> future. Uh, SmackDown, they are approaching their, their lowest numbers on, on Fox, but uh, I don't think it's a crisis just yet. And we mentioned the Warrior uh, biography earlier. Uh, the Warrior biography for the A&E one that did 767,000 overall with a 0. .29 and 18 to 49. So that beat Miz and Mrs. and NXT. Uh, it did. That's, yeah. So, And the, uh, the, the prior week, which we had not talked about, we did not have it until now. It's, it's the 634,000, the 0. .22 in the demo, which was the Shawn Michaels biography that went head-to-head with yep. W-Pay-Per-View WrestleMania Backlash. So still doing so a lower than better, better, better 18 and 49 than NXT. True. <laughs> Against yeah, a WWE pay-per-view. Strong. Yeah. And it's in it's A and E. It's not like this is a stronger network than USA network. And tonight, as we are recording this on Sunday, May 30th, is Mick Foley. So they're actually doing new programming. They did not have a new treasures last week, though which I found okay. very interesting after the warrior. I was like, Oh, here we go. New treasures. And it was the replay of the undertaker one. So, hmm. so Mick Foley would be going head to head with double or nothing tonight. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. So we are uh, going to move on to some more WWE news uh, where this week, very news over the week for WWE, uh, not just the uh, uh, relationship with new Japan pro wrestling being discussed, but, Lots of layoffs, dozens of corporate employees, especially a lot in the media and digital media division, including executives and upper management were laid off. Um, there's actually two stories about this on the uh, patreon.com slash that you could see this week uh, regarding the layoffs and follow up, uh, including the ha- hands on meeting that they had on Wednesday with Nick Khan. But if you want to discuss the layoffs here, Brandon. Yeah. So this was Tuesday real quick. So I have a, um, I don't know if it's in my WrestleNomics Google alert or my Brandon Thurston Google alert, but uh, so a lot of um, wrestling news websites picked this up, including at least one wrestling news site, which shall remain nameless, of course, that used uh, a headline to the effect of Vince McMahon fires WWE female name as, as, as if like, 
you know, a, a female wrestler had been fired. But anyway, um, this is just concerning employees. Uh, that, that said, uh, I've been told the number is somewhere around 60 or 65 employees were laid off, as you said, including some uh, top-level executives. The most surprising one is uh, the now former executive vice president of the Advanced Media Group, J.R. Donlin, who had just weeks prior uh, you know, sort of been celebrated uh, because he had made the Sports Business Journal's uh, 40 for four, 40 under 40 list. So executive sports executives who are under the age of 40, the top 40, he was included. Uh, he's still supposed to be honored uh, later for this uh, in some capacity when he will now be a former W employee. Um, so what's happening is that uh, WWE, the, the upper, the, you know, the top level management leadership felt that there were a lot of employees who were doing the same job across multiple departments, uh, namely the advanced media group, which is a department or was a department within WWE, the television department, and maybe there was some crossover as well with W Studios. That's not totally clear to me. I wonder how much W Studios is really producing what it used to produce in the same way. They're not producing films so much anymore. They're just licensing content is what Nick Khan said on one earnings call. But anyway, uh, so J.R. Donlin was the leader of the Advanced Media Group. Our old friend Kevin Dunn, the leader of the television department, Kevin Dunn's title is executive producer and uh, chief of global television distribution. So Kevin Dunn is, of course, been with WWE since the 80s. His dad worked for WWE before that. His dad legendarily saved uh, some tapes from a burning car back when Vincent J. McMahon was in charge of the company. And uh, Kevin Dunn has been taken care of ever since. So the advanced media group and the television group are being merged into the WWE media group or the media department, which will be led by Kevin Dunn. So I guess they have no more need for J.R. Donlin, um, even though J.R. Donlin is, is a, you know, a recognized executive under 40, but you, you choose, you go with Kevin Dunn here. Um, <clears throat> there were layoffs to the international department as well. Uh, Executive Vice President Jay Rogan, Rosenstock uh, who led international TV, he was terminated. Uh, I heard it was 35 employees on Tuesday. The next day, I was told the total is more like 60 or 65. Some names are even being leaked out as late this weekend. Uh, Giancarlo Dottamo, who became famous in what he was production work he was doing on Independence and was working for WWE. And then uh, Josiah Williams, another one, did a lot of digital media on Independence and got hired by WWE. But, you know... Yeah, on Wednesday, I learned the head of W Studios, Susan Levinson. So this is a department that that works out of L.A., it's not Stanford. But Susan Levinson had been uh, terminated also. So I almost wonder, is there a WB Studios department anymore? So that was Tuesday. All these people were laid off. And Sigman sent out an email at the end of the, the workday, Tuesday, saying that the layoffs are, are done for now. This round of layoffs is complete. Uh, then there was an all-hands meeting uh, Wednesday basically led by Nick Khan, the chief revenue officer and president, and the chief financial officer, Christina Salen. Kevin Dunn made a rare appearance before all employees, uh, explaining the merger of the two departments, uh, explaining that you know he is now going to oversee all of it as the W media department. Um, no Vince McMahon on this meeting. No Stephanie McMahon on this meeting. Paul of X head was spotted during the meeting in the Zoom call, in the Zoom grid, but uh, he, he didn't speak either. So no McMahons or no, no Triple H on this meeting. Just Nick Khan, Christina Salen, 
a little bit of Kevin Dunn. Um, Nikon gave a motivational speech to employees. At one point, he uh, became emotional reading a story about a young woman who commuted four hours from college to work every day. This was seemingly an example of strong work ethic that WE employees might emulate. Um, Nick Nikon, by the way, uh, this month bought a $7.6 million home in LA. Um, employees are, are going to return to headquarters, at least to some extent, beginning July 6th. Uh, uh, headquarters, of course, is in Stamford. They're still working on, they're supposed to have a new headquarters also in Stamford that uh, is, is supposed to be moved into. Uh, I don't know if that starts later this year or not, but workers are not required to be vaccinated from COVID-19 before they come back to the office under an honor system. Non-vaccinated employees will be required to wear masks. Nothing stopping them from just lying about their vaccine status and not wearing a mask, though. All right. Yes. Yeah. Motivating the individuals after you uh, let go of at least 60 of of, of their coworkers and a news leaked that he uh, purchased a weekend mansion for almost $8 million. So probably not the best timing uh, for that to come out. Um, well, we're, we're going to continue down this WWE train as it was a very busy week for them and give an update on the live events. We've already discussed the SmackDown on July 16th in Houston, the money in the bank, uh, in, in, in Fort Worth on July 18th and then the July 19th raw in Dallas. Well, we have three more, uh, dates that were added on Wednesday and that was July 23rd SmackDown in Cleveland, July 26th raw in Kansas city. And then a SmackDown in Minneapolis. But then we got another announcement, and it would they announced the rest of the date, dates through Labor Day. Uh, the nine Super Show events, which are going to include Pittsburgh, Louisville, Milwaukee, Detroit, Fort Myers, Gainesville, Charlotte, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, and Denver. We'll have raw tapings in Chicago, Orlando, San Antonio, San Diego, Oklahoma City, and Miami. SmackDown tapings in Tampa, Tulsa, Phoenix, North Little Rock. And Jacksonville, Jacksonville, <laughs> and then uh, SummerSlam, uh, which the location uh, is going to be announced uh, during the pre-show for the Belmont Stakes, which is this upcoming Saturday, and that is heavily rumored to be Las Vegas, though. Um, the Super Shows, so they are still yeah. house shows, but it looks like both rosters would be there, which means there's probably not going to be a ton of guy, like ton of guys and girls on the show, not a ton of talent. Like if you're having raw and SmackDown, like as far as maybe 25 to 30 roster members, it's a lot of people that won't be working these house shows. So that's still maybe good on the, uh, as far as the talent and the travel and all that, as they, they go into normalcy. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that they are just going to, they're still going to run the house shows. Yeah. At least for this tour. I think that's what we're what we're going to follow here as far as they announced we have 25 dates for our f- tour through Labor Day. Um I think the thing to watch for is do they announce more of these super shows? Super show is code for house show. But as you, as you mentioned, it, that means raw and smackdown talent. Um I think I mean the, the, this is something that we've talked about since the beginning of the pandemic, whether or not this is a break point where house shows stop being at least as prevalent as they were. Um, I think they believe they probably have pent up demand for live events. So maybe they can draw really well for these 
first events. I I think uh, there's a chance they won't though. Uh, we'll be watching Ticketmaster though. Uh, we have some some ticket sales information that we'll talk about in, in a bit. But there's also maybe a benefit from touring around the country and doing an event. Uh, one of the hidden benefits of, of doing house shows, even if they are uh, not profitable, is that it's sort of a PR event. It's a marketing event. It's a creating memories event, putting smiles on people's faces, creating memories that last a lifetime. That creates perhaps new fans. Um, so there's that. Um, no, nothing too surprising here. No, no Saudi event, of course, uh, announced. Uh, I do believe SummerSlam will be in Las Vegas. Uh, I have heard that the main event plan is Roman Reigns versus John Cena. Maybe John Cena appears uh, sometime before SummerSlam on W Television. Cardi B. She's the Cardi rumored B host of SummerSlam. <laughs> yes. 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 Uh, does Tony Khan run a live rampage from Daly's Place the same night as SmackDown in Jacksonville? <laughs> um. What day is that? Uh, my my initial answer is no. Um, I have it in front of me, but I don't see it. Friday, September third. So, is that a pay per view night for? That could be. That could, that could be all in. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> that's Labor Day weekend. It's traditionally all out. Do we do we know a, do, a date for all out? And is all out? I guess we probably don't, huh? Tonight, I would imagine they might release it tonight. In in any case, it's not as if I mean that taping will probably be on the road, so it's, yeah. it probably wouldn't be in Jacksonville. Oh, actually, I think all out in, in Chicago. I think now that right, all out. Yeah, I think, I think they, they wanted the tradition of, yeah. of, of doing that in Chicago because that's where the where all in was in 2018. So they they want to go back to Chicago probably. So maybe that's just in Chicago or somewhere on the way to Chicago. Um, but yeah. All right, uh, so we're uh, going to move on to some John Cena news. Uh, in an interview uh, with the Taiwanese broadcaster at TVBS earlier uh, this month to promote Fast and the Furious 9, John Cena mentioned Taiwan is the first country to watch Fast and the Furious 9. Then Cena had to apologize in Mandarin in a video posted on a Chinese social media platform, Weibo. I must say right now, it's very, 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 very important. I love and respect China and the Chinese people. I am very, very sorry for my mistake, as China does not consider Taiwan a country. They consider them Chinese Taipei, even though Taiwan considers them a country. Yes. I think you used five varies there. There are, in fact, in this quote, one, two, three, four, five, six, six varies. I missed a very. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. (laughs) So... This is, so this is a teachable moment on WrestleNomics. Who says you can't learn something about geopolitics through pro wrestling? So I've uh, tried to learn about the, the details here. Uh, admittedly, I didn't know everything about uh, Taiwan uh, before this happened. Uh, so there's the People's Republic of China. That's what we mainly refer to as China. That has 1.3 billion people in it. Then there's the Republic of China. And that is what we call usually Taiwan. That a much smaller population, 23 people. Um, so that's, of course, the relatively large island off the coast of south, uh, off the southeast coast of mainland China. And at the end of the Chinese Civil War in 1949, the Chinese Communist Party uh, was, was you know, 
in war with the Chinese Nationalist Party, and the Communists basically defeated the Nationalists. The remaining Nationalists were treated to Taiwan. The Nationalists planned to regroup and reconquer the mainland, but never got around to it. And long story short, here we are uh, 70 years later, and Taiwan is basically operating as an independent democratic nation, 100 miles off the coast of the mainland, and China doesn't want to admit that Taiwan is a country. Uh, China claims that Taiwan is part of China, the People's Republic of China. Um, in, in some ways, I guess Taiwan considers their country to be their, their government to be the real government of, of China. Um, but uh, a lot of people don't want to acknowledge Taiwan's independence for fear of, for fear of upsetting their interests in China, including perhaps John Cena. Uh, but yeah, John Cena is, is used to uh, groveling before a, a stifling hubristic authoritarian regime. So nothing new for him. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, we'll, uh, move on to some, uh, more, uh, news regarding WWE and, and AEW and that's ticket sales for these upcoming live events. And you have some information for us, Brandon, regarding these, uh, information, those three live events we heard from, uh, WWE, as well as the three AEW dynamites that were announced. Yeah, so we'll start, start with WWE. I looked at Ticketmaster this morning. And I've also looked at this really good Twitter account. AEW Ticket Info is the handle on Twitter. Uh, this person is using JavaScript to count the dots on Ticketmaster and other ticketing websites. Uh, some of these are available through Ticketmaster. Some of them you have to go to the actual arena's uh, website or, or even access the Anthem-owned property is, is, is a ticket uh, vendor also. But anyway, we have... Three events with tickets on sale that I can find, at least, for WWE. This is the, the first weekend um, in Texas. And there's only 26 tickets that I can find still available for SmackDown in Houston, July 16th. Uh, 26 tickets remain. So that looks like it's going to sell out, best that I can tell. Uh, that was the first event back since WrestleMania. That is the beginning of WWE's return to touring. Only a few hundred tickets remain for Money in the Bank, the pay-per-view on July 18th in Fort Worth, Texas. And there are plenty of tickets left for the next night, uh, which is raw in Dallas. Um, so that's at least the first two shows for, for WWE seem to be doing okay. Um, yeah. I'm, in light of that, and you see sort of the wind down, I guess Fort Worth is right near Dallas. So maybe you're sort of exhausting that market, but uh, something's really watch to see how these, these house shows do um, for AEW. Some scattered upper-level seating was still in the blue, still available for AEW Double or Nothing, their pay-per-view tonight, which by, by the time most people listen to this will have already happened. But over 4,000 tickets have already been sold uh, at Daily's Place for Double or Nothing, uh, according to AEW Ticket Info on Twitter. Um, plenty of available for this coming Friday for Dynamite at Daily's Place. The upper level doesn't appear to have even been put on sale. So maybe only, a, you know, a far less than 4,000 probably on sale for that. Um, and for AEW's, I believe this is their first event back on the road, Miami, July 7th. Tons of availability there. Uh, you, you can see these screenshots of the seating maps on the WrestleNomics Twitter account. Uh, July 14th, though, in Cedar Park, Texas, appears to be selling better. They've sold over 3,200 tickets, according to AEW Ticket Info. Uh, July 21st in Garland, Texas, over 3,000 tickets sold, for uh, according to AEW Ticket Info. So 
doing on the low range of what they were doing, uh, at least at this point. And surely we'll sell at least a few more tickets as these events approach uh, well over almost two months away, uh, well over a month and a half away. So it's, it's, it's interesting that uh, as these, as a slow rollout happens, and I guess there's just increased interest to see, you know, what are the, what are the the first events, how the the first events do. Um, But it's really forcing me to, or just prompting me to um, watch this stuff more closely than I would otherwise. So, We'll see what happens. Uh, I got to say, watching Dynamite uh, Friday night, even just at Daly's place, it definitely makes a difference with a full crowd. And it it was, it was, it it was pretty packed there. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely different experience. It kind of changed the camera angle and it just looked, it was definitely a different environment, different atmosphere. Um, And uh, speaking of, AW in uh, Daly's place, as we are recording this, this evening will be double or nothing. And what are what is your prediction, Brandon, on what the pay per view, uh, you know, sales will be? Will we see a great number like we did for the most recent pay per view, or will kind of that explosion main event fiasco, kind of, and it just being summer and Memorial Day weekend affect that? I highly doubt that this is going to do in the range of one hundred twenty thousand uh, buys as Revolution did. Revolution did about one hundred twenty five thousand maybe 130,000, somewhere around that. Uh, I would expect this to do more along the lines of um, what they've typically done, maybe on the lower end even, 85,000, maybe 90,000. Did did you order uh, Revolution, Golo? Uh I watched it at a friend's house who ordered it. Okay, are you watching it tonight? This one tonight? Uh, I have not decided yet because that friend usually gets paid reviews most recently had a baby, so... <laughs> It's a it's a little uh, hectic in his house right now, so I have I have debated on ordering mm-hmm. it or not tonight. Yeah, I would predict. Let's throw out. I mean, the the weird thing is that you know, you know what will probably happen in next week's Observer is that Dave will say one number. Uh, I will probably say a different number, <laughs> and uh, so maybe I even shouldn't do a prediction. But yeah, I would expect a, a more of a an average number this time. All right. Um, and uh, other than that, I, I don't know if we touched on too much. Uh, AEW is going to, it looks like throughout June, maybe preempted and be on Friday nights for most uh, yes. of June at 10 o'clock. So it'll be interesting once we get a rating to see how this one did. Right. And to see where kind of they'll be all month long if, if the preemptions continue. Right. They did have one 10 o'clock airing on a Wednesday, though. Uh, at, at some point, I, didn't, I don't have any recollection of the date, but they did okay, and I think they had an NBA lead in anyway. Um, did this? Do you know? Did this have an NBA lead in? Uh, I be- I believe so, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So anyway, we'll we'll talk about that when we get the number, and uh, it, it's one of those things where like it, it it they might hold up just fine, especially if they had a strong lead in. So we will see. All right. So, yeah. Any any, any other uh, news and notes that you've heard uh, this week, Brandon, that you want to address before we uh, call it a day? That is that is all. You can uh, follow WrestleNomics and go to WrestleNomics.com to see all the numbers, the ratings, pay-per-view buys information that I have on there. Uh, the two stories that we went over just now on the WWE layoffs, those are on Patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. Uh, you get access to stories like that on occasion, as well as, as Golo put over in the hard sell, the Russell Nomics viewership spreadsheet, over 15,000 
data points for uh, professional wrestling viewership across uh, a number of programs across a number of years, going all the way back to the fall of 2014. Uh, again, as Showbiz Daily is now no longer being updated, I will still be updating the spreadsheet. So it's the best place that there is to keep up with what the state of wrestling viewership is. Yeah. I mean, before I plug my stuff, I, I can't say it enough. Look at all that stuff. You get it. It's not just spreadsheets. It's articles. It's bonus podcasts. Like we did when, for the move to TBS, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot of great stuff on that Patreon. It's $5, only $5. Um, so, uh, just for myself, uh, Chris Gullo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and my other podcast, Rediscovering the Indies, Independent Wrestling History Podcast, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The numbers continue to increase over there, so really want to thank everybody who from here that listened over there, uh, and uh, we're our last XBW episode will release in June, and then we got some fun stuff uh, later in the year, including the NWA title history from the end of the TNA relationship until Billy Corgan's purchase. And there's a lot of great tidbits in there. Rediscovering the Indies now, one of the most popular wrestling podcasts in all of wrestling podcast dumb. In no small small part, thanks to its affiliation with this podcast, The Rub. We gave you the big rub from Wrestling Yes. I, I, I this is a great relationship. <laughs> Please don't be a bidding for exclusive relationship with somebody else. <laughs> yes. It'll probably be a, I noticed there's a new independent wrestling history podcast. We were the only one. And now there's one from these guys in England. So oh, they're, they're, yeah. competition now. <laughs> I, I love it. All right. All right. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you can follow the WrestleNomics on Twitter at WrestleNomics. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon Thurston. I'm Brandon Thurston. I'm Chris Gullo. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>